the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for. Last week we began a message called The Power of Unity. And here's a part of the foundation that the pastor laid. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Philippians. We're continuing our series called Under Construction. Saw that Paul said, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And the whole book begins with that simple but powerful message, grace and peace. I wish we'd use that greeting more to one another. Grace and peace. Paul opens every letter with it. It is the cornerstone, I think. He is capsulizing the gospel in this powerful little phrase. It's not just words to say like, hey, how you doing? No, the gospel is summed up in grace and peace. Again, I say grace and peace, and I know you'll enjoy the message today and recognize the power of unity and how the church needs to be unified. The church of San Antonio, just like it was for the church of Philippi. And if you missed the first part of last week's message, you can find it online at reallife.org under the sermon's archive link. Let's get right into the message. And this is Real Life Radio. One of the great gifts God gave us at the beginning of this ministry was our friendship with Willie and Rachel Mayfield. And they, uh, you got to know, Willie and I, we, I love that man. We are dear friends. We are different, like a lot, okay? Very different. Willie loves to hunt and kill things. I mean, he's just a thing he likes to do. He's got friends. We've got lots of guys here. They love to hunt. That's not so much for me, okay? I'm like, I'm not angry at that deer. Run free. Now, I'll admit, I like eating, I'm, I agree with them. You know, salad is what you feed food, okay? I understand that concept. So I like that part. I just don't... It, you know, I grew up on a farm. We had to kill animals, but it was just something you had to do. It wasn't like recreation. He loves that stuff. Not so much for me. I love music. I like the theater. There, I said it. I like the theater. One time, Willie went... Rachel wanted to go so bad. Willie went with us. I think it was Le Miserables. And, you know, to his credit, God bless him. He went and he w- and he went through the whole thing. I think he was awake most of the time. It was it was great, great experience. But it's like I see him at the theater. I'm like, there's nothing to shoot here. Nothing. I mean, yes, there's some. You get a shrieky soprano. I, I want to take her out, but not with it. Nothing lethal. Paintball gun or something. You know, just just stop the pain, stop the suffering. But but no, it's just different. You know what I'm saying? But we have walked through. Our bond is not that we like to do all the same things. It's not that we have all the same common interests. The bond is we've walked through fire and grace together. And that does something to you when you walk through grace together. It's like a foxhole. When you realize what God's done and it changes you. And that's supposed to be the bond. That's what we're supposed to be experiencing. The problem is the bond within the unity within the church of Jesus Christ is under assault today. We have so embraced some of the surrounding kind of culture 
that we now will be divided over the dumbest things. We'll be divided over, over doctrine that theologians haven't been able to figure out for a thousand years. Like, we're going to figure it out now? I mean, seriously, we will let, I, there are some things that do divide us. I understand there's certain truths that make us who we are, and that's fine. But sometimes there's truth. There are, you know, John Calvin had his deal, Arminius had his deal, and there are entire churches that won't even talk to each other because of the theology of these two theologians. And our, I'm on one side of the fence, I'm on the other. That's just stupid. Because it's as though I, in all my wisdom, have it all figured out. So what arrogance is that? That I think I have it so figured out that I won't fellowship with those people who I fully would believe we're going to be in eternity together. We're going to, we're going to, they're, they're Christians. They put their faith in Jesus just like I do. But no, no, I can't fellowship with them because I've got the theology just perfectly wrapped up and they don't. What, but what about spiritual gifts? You know, the way I view spiritual gifts, I've got it the perfect way. And those people up the road over there, they don't have it the perfect way. So I can't fellowship with them. We will allow the most unbelievable things to separate us. And, and I don't think it's, I don't think that's really the focus. It's why are we so prone to it? It's not that those, it's because there's lots of different things that can divide. Music. P- churches have had devastating splits and earthquakes over music. Why is Sean playing the piano? I thought guitar was more expensive than piano. We should have, we don't need piano. That's traditional. We don't need that. We need more guitar. And Cullen, he's playing electric guitar. He's playing two rockets. I can't believe him. He, that offends me. I mean, seriously, over musical preference, we've had people, you know, split churches. I'm not talking about music that honors Jesus versus music that honors the devil. Okay? We're not talking about that. We're talking about all music that honors Jesus, but I just don't like that style. And it's fine. You don't have to like that style. You like country. You like jazz. You like rock. It's just fine. It's preference. Why would we let preference split us when we're supposed to have been through the foxhole of grace together and we're supposed to be one so jesus prayed that we would be one just like he and father are one that's what paul's talking about that's what he's trying to communicate there is supposed to be this bond we don't understand grace and peace if we'll just let anything divide us Paul is basically saying this. If you're taking notes, write it down. The church is best when the church is one. The church is best when the church is one. That's what we were created to be. The church is best when the church is one. We're going right now through an audit. We've hired an accounting firm to do to audit our financials. Up to this point, we've had an in-house accountant who goes to church here who's overseen our finances but we're getting to the size now that it's time to start having audited financials and so we're doing that process right now one of the questions they had for me is who's your competition <laughs> satan <laughs> i mean that you know that's my competition that's who i'm going toe to toe with right i mean in, in that as the church that's who Supposed to be our competition. And, you know, these are good guys. They get it. They're not, they're, they understand. But I, I saw that and I just recoiled because I know what he means. For the people, church attenders in San Antonio, who is your competition? They want me to say the church across the street, the church up the road. They are not my competition. The church is at her best when the church is one. They're part of me. 
it's okay to have just different styles and expressions that can connect and communicate with other people. That's fine. But I've got to recognize they're me and I'm them. And if I ever experience something where a church is experiencing something good that maybe we're not at this particular time and I feel this little tinge of... It can happen. That's time to repent. Because I've all of a sudden said, my brothers or sisters are not my brothers and sisters, but they're the competition. We're acting more like American businesses than like fellow kingdom enterprises. We're treating them like our competition for numbers, for dollars. And that's what the world does. We forgot that we're supposed to conduct ourselves as people of grace and peace, people of the gospel. A couple of things Paul brings out in this idea that the church is best when the church is one. Number one, <clears throat> unity makes us stronger together. Okay, and this is kind of this is kind of obvious, but I think he points it out. That's what he means when he says stand firm together. Okay, when we are together, we can stand firm. Unity makes us stronger together. Ecclesiastes 4.12, there's a passage of Scripture with an illustration. It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The writer of Ecclesiastes is doing what Jesus often did, giving illustrations, using a rope or even a cord, a connection of wood. Now, the fact is, this right here is pretty strong, okay? It's pretty hard to break, Okay? This is not. Come on. I mean, this is huge. Dude. Come on. <laughs> that just happened. That just happened. I wish I could gouge my mind's eyes out. <laughs> He's using an illustration to say together we are stronger, separate, Pretty darn breakable. And I love that Jesus did that so often. I love that the scripture does that because I want you, when you are tempted to divide over something stupid that happens in the church, somebody didn't recognize me. My small group leader doesn't get me. Whatever. Okay? You're tempted to divide and say, I'm going to leave. Remember this. Will you? Will you remember what the Scripture is teaching us? We are stronger together. The Scripture says our enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who do you think he's going to go after? This or this? It's not a game, folks. I've watched people when they get out of fellowship become discouraged, begin to grow cold in their love and their faith. And I've watched them experience all kinds of devastation because they allowed themselves to be separated and disconnected. Do you know why this works really? I mean, it's a very practical thing. Um, I'm human, okay? One of my spiritual gifts is the gift of faith. But there are times when I get discouraged because I'm human. And when I'm discouraged and I'm in community, there's always someone else around whose faith is strong who can remind me and say, yeah, but remember what God did? 
Oh, yeah, but the word says God's going to be faithful. Don't worry, I'm praying for you. They, they, can, they can, literally, it's like if I'm falling, they can pick me up. Like Peter, he jumps out in the boat to walk on water with Jesus. And at first he's great, but then he sees the waves and, the, and the, he sees the wind and all this stuff and he get, becomes afraid. Sometimes I see the waves and the wind, okay? A lot of times I can keep my eyes on Jesus, but I'm human. Sometimes I get scared and I look at the wind and the waves. And in community, there's always someone else who has their eyes on Jesus. And it'll help pick me up. And, and when they fall, chances are I've got my eyes on Jesus. And we can support each other. We can encourage each other. Paul, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. That's what we're talking about. The church is at its best when the church is one. The church is stronger when it's unified. And you are listening to Real Life Radio a service of River City Community Church. And let's take a short break in this message called The Power of Unity with this study in the book of Philippians. You can find this message at reallife.org under the sermon's archive link. Plus see all the upcoming events happening at River City Community Church, including the details on a live simulcast featuring Beth Moore. It's happening on April 24th called So Long Insecurity. Again, all the information is at reallife.org. And here's a little more information on River City Community Church. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more, almost as though something is missing? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel they're settling for a whole lot less than real life. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better, we call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us on this journey to discover the life we were made for. We're located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and Jones Maltzberger. Sundays we meet at 8, 9.30, and 11.15 a.m. River City, New Braunfels meets at the McKenna Event Center on San Antonio Street at 10.30 a.m. Together we enjoy great music, practical teaching, and ministries for all the kids. For more information, check us out on the web at reallife.org. We look forward to seeing you on the road to real life. Welcome back, and we return to hear the conclusion to this message from Pastor Sean Azaro called The Power of Unity, as he's teaching from the book of Philippians. And this is Real Life Radio. Number two, unity overcomes fear. Unity overcomes fear, because he points out, standing firm together as one, you don't need to fear those who oppose you, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, is what he said. There's strength in numbers, and I think it's fairly obvious that, yes, there's courage in numbers. But I want to suggest something else that I think Paul's alluding to here. I think fear undermines unity. That's, that's what I'm, I'm kind of I'm processing a little bit. I believe fear undermines unity. We are supposed to be people who are unified together. And, one, and chances are, if you see someone who separates division in the church, chances are you could trace it back to a fear. What are you afraid of? Before you divide, okay, before you cut off relationship with someone in the church or your small group leader or or someone else in your your Bible study class or whatever group you're in, before you cut off relationships and you're tempted to do that, stop and ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? What is causing me this? If, If we're willing to totally divide ourselves because of doctrinal disputes where we understand our distinctives that that are important pillars, the deity of Christ, 
salvation Christ alone. We understand those big issues that, yes, those are our tenets of faith. But when it's other things that we have to admit, you know, I don't know that I have a full handle on. Why am I so threatened that I got to divide from someone who's on the other side of the fence from me? It's a very powerful question before you're about to make a big mistake, do something that's contrary to what the word teaches, to stop and say, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid is going to happen? What am I afraid I'll lose? What am I afraid will become of me? Or... And deal with that fear, because I believe fear separates and draws us apart. Love brings us together. Fear drives us apart. Listen to what the scripture says. First John four eighteen. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. One who fears is not made perfect in love. Second Timothy one seven, Paul's writing to Timothy, he said, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. Do you know what that means? I don't have to give in to the fear. If I will stay united, I can stand firm in the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. When you're tempted to divide, Ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What is it that I fear? For you attack a brother or sister, for you bring gossip, backbiting, anything that's going to be divisive, ask yourself, just stop, what am I afraid of? Because often, that'll be where you can trace that back to. Church is at its best when the church is one. I told you we were going to deal with this. Number three, unity changes the face of suffering. It changes the face of suffering. And that phrase again, for it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. It's been granted. And the scriptures sometimes present suffering as a privilege. And like I said, is this some sort of spiritual masochism here? Is that, is that what it is? Purging by fire? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. Which are your glory? I want to suggest to you, when we are in the context of unity, what Paul is suggesting is that there is a redemptive thing that happens in suffering. Not that suffering in and of itself is good, but what can happen in the midst of suffering. Suffering can and should draw us together. I will tell you something. This is a historical fact in church history. Look it up if you don't believe me. Suffering, hardship is good for the church. The church loves better. They connect better. They prosper. They grow. They build bigger people in hard times than they do in prosperity. Prosperity, not so much. Take the last... 50 years in China, the church exploded. The communists threw all the missionaries out of China, and we don't even have accurate numbers. The church grew 100, 300 times. Unbelievable exponential growth as it had to go underground and was severely persecuted. It grew astronomically. And the believers that have come from that, talk about depth, talk about a richness of their faith. Honestly, in the last 50 years in America... The church in Western Europe, not so much. Kind of flatlined. In fact, and as, as population increased, our percentage decreased. 
There is something. I'm not saying that God designed you for suffering, so enjoy your suffering that God brings. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Don't hear that. What I am saying is there is a, an aspect of God's presence that we can only experience in suffering. He meets us in suffering in a way that is different, and we see him. Other people can only speculate about. But when we go through hard times, and I want to suggest to you suffering in community, when we walk through hard times together, there is an aspect of God's presence and an aspect of his life and the sweetness of grace and peace that we experience. It's different. It's a powerful thing. I'm not saying we should wish suffering, but when it comes, recognize it's been granted to you not only to believe in him, but to suffer with him. We meet Jesus in a different way, and it's beautiful. You can tell people who have been seasoned or sweetened by suffering in the faith. They're different. That's what Paul's saying. And he's saying if we will respond, if we will allow it, that suffering shared will draw us together. Our prosperity tends to divide. It really does. The more wealth we have, I mean, it's a very actual visual illustration. The more wealth we have, the more we tend to divide ourselves. We get more property, higher fences, more privacy. You know, the, the more we go up, the more we privatize and get, get and we get, we, we isolate ourselves. It's one of the interesting things if you study sociology and you study just culture in America or other cities, the poor tend to be more relational. They have to be. They're in this thing together. The wealthy isolate. Something to think about. Church is at its best when the church is one. And last, I'll wrap with this. You can't experience unity without community. This is kind of just my, okay, no duh thing, but I do want to say it as a pastor to the church. You can't experience unity without community. I can't be in real unity hypothetically. Being being philosophically connected with the church at large is not unity. You can't be in unity without community. In other words, it has to be real people, okay? Real people. Faces, hands to hold, arms to embrace. People, flesh and blood. That's how God made it. It's supposed to be family. Ephesians 3, 14, 15. Paul wrote, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives his name. It's like family. That's why we value membership so much. It really is. It's commitment to family. And all that that entails. In Ephesians 4, Paul uses another illustration to describe this connectedness. In talking about people isolated, he says this. He says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by every cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. That describes a lot of people I've seen in the Christian church at large. People who... Don't get connected in family. They don't really get into unity with community. They go from this church to that church. I've seen people really spiritualize that practice, by the way. I've seen people try to come off as very spiritually mature. I'm too mature for any particular church. Really, any particular pastor. I don't need that pastor to teach me. I've got Jesus. Well, that's wonderful. And it's true on a level. But God gave gifts to the body for a reason. And he didn't give me all the gifts. He didn't give you all the gifts. We need each other. 
And I've seen people become very smug and spiritually superior. And those same people are most susceptible to being carried here and there by every wind, every doctrine, every weird thing that comes along. They manage to find their way into it. Because they're outside of community with real people, flesh and blood, filled with the Spirit people. He goes on to say, in 15, says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. Listen, from Him the whole body. It's not just me, we're a body. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You can't experience the fullness of the Christian faith outside of community with people. So I want to say to you, very practically, as I close, if you are part of this church, and this is the only expression of this church that you get, I'd like to challenge you to change that. Stop. Get in a small group. Get connected with a group of people who know your name, who grow with you. Seriously. Use this card. This card, you can fill it out. The buckets are going to come by. You say, I'm interested in a small group. Check that box and you will receive an email quickly telling you how to go take some next steps. There's people you can contact. You can call our office, talk to Jason. We can help you find one. Please understand, you can go visit a small group. And, and every small group's different. You can go visit, check one out. And, you know, I know people sometimes get weird, like, oh, I didn't like that one. Now what do I do? I have to go to find another church because now if I see that person in, in church, it's going to be all weird because, like, I rejected them and didn't go to their small group. And uh, I, can't, I can't deal with that. I'm going to another church. Our small group leaders get it, okay? They, they've been trained. They know. Their group isn't necessarily for everybody. It's okay. Try three, four. Find one where you click. Find one where you sense God saying, this is it. And then become a part of that little family, that little piece of the church. You'd be amazed at what it does for you and how God begins to grow you. Church is at its best when the church is one. And we got to be at one with real people. And real people, you've been listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, where you're invited to visit. The church is located at the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Redland Road, just inside Loop 1604, with Sunday morning service times of 8, 9.30, and 11.15, and there's also a campus in New Braunfels that meets at 10.30. All the details and directions are on the website, reallife.org, and there you'll also find a free download of this message, as next week, Pastor Sean will tell us the secret of unity. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and hope you join us next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 